What is love? Thank you. What is love? That, that is the question, isn't it? In this culture, it's so hard to define that. Do we even truly understand what love is anymore? My name is Joey Weber, and, and I'm the associate pastor here at Stonebridge, and I can confess to you that I would be 27 years old, married with a toddler at home, before I even started to wrap my mind around what that word love truly meant. And I started to understand that I was worthy of receiving it as well as giving it. For some of you, you're sitting here today and you're on the brink of what may be a loving, joyful exchange on Christmas, a a joyous time for the whole family to get together. Others of you may be struggling just to sit still in your seats you're, you're running through the play-by-play of what has to happen, and the Christmas ham has to be in at 5 p.m. exactly, but Aunt Edna's always late, so it probably actually needs to be in at 6 p.m., but then you have to be on the road by 8 a.m. right and early tomorrow morning just to be in time for the next Christmas, and it's so structured and just boom, 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 boom. Today is a very surreal moment for me, and, and I'll be honest, I've been very nervous leading up to this just because of it being Christmas Eve. Less than 10 years ago, Christmas Eve was about the only time I ever stepped foot in a church. I would come once a year just to make my grandma be happy because that's what you do on Christmas. You, you go to church. You make your once a year appearance. So that's what I did for many years. Being a once a year visitor at at church, it, it can make things a bit awkward and confusing. Where do I sit? Are, are they going to make me say hi to strangers that I don't really know? Can I really have my coffee in the service? Yes, you can. It's okay. Why is that guy raising his hand in the corner? Does he have a question? That's so weird. All of these things are just confusing when you, when you only come once a year. Fast forward, and here I am today preaching. On Christmas Eve, God has a a funny sense of humor. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to uh, Psalm 139. I will also have those passages on the screen behind me, um, if that's more comfortable for you. Um, Also, there may be Bibles near you. If you didn't happen to bring one, that's okay. We have some maybe around you, probably in the red chairs. If you want to grab one of those and read from it, if you need a Bible, feel free to take that Bible home with you today too. We would love that. While you are getting there, I'm going to get some help from the kids in the room. Today our service is a little different than most weeks. We are blessed to welcome a lot of our kids into the service with us, and we gave them a little gift bag as they walked in so that they could enjoy that during the service. Parents, I don't want you to feel like you need to keep them quiet or hush them. The crinkling sound of cellophane and plastic wrappers is like joy to me. It means that there are children in here, and that is the next generation. It is life in our church. So let them color, let them talk. Parents, I have a question before I turn to our kids. How many of you have had your child tell you, that they love you in the past 24 hours. Yeah. Kids clearly get this idea of love. Not all of you did. I'm sorry. But 
kids clearly get this idea of love. At least they think they do. And I think the reason they do is because they watch Disney movies. (laughs) Disney movies are the best way, besides the Bible, to understand love. It is filled with love and the ideas of love and love quotes. So kids, I'm going to put a quote up on the screen behind me, and I'll read it also. And if you know the character that said or even the movie that it came from, holler that out as soon as you know it. All right, our first quote. Some people are worth melting for. Olaf, yeah, Olaf is awesome. Olaf had this idea. He, he understood that he's trying to say some people are worth dying for. That's what melting is to Olaf, right? Next quote. Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind. Yeah, go ahead. Lilo said it first and then Stitch repeated it back to her. They understood that family is where you should feel the love, where you should first get that love. All right, third quote. This is one of my favorites. One of my favorite movies too. My name is Doug. I have just met you and I love you. Doug from Up, right? Like a typical dog, he just loves unconditionally. He goes all in with everything he's got the second he meets somebody. All right, we got two more quotes, and then I'll try to get serious. This one's tough. Because when I look at you, I can feel it, and I look at you, and I'm home. Yeah, awesome job. Dory from Nemo. Matt didn't think anyone would get that one. So great job. That's phenomenal. Our favorite forgetful fish. She couldn't remember anything, but she could remember that when she looked at Marlin, she felt something inside her. Here's our last quote. Love is putting someone else's needs before your own. Uh... It's from Frozen again, yeah. Olaf again, he's quite the love guru, isn't he? He knows all about love. Some of the best love quotes come to us from Olaf. <laughs> love it. I love Olaf. We have gotten so good at throwing the word love around. I love these cookies. I I love that haircut. We throw the word around so loosely, it makes it difficult to understand what it truly means. I'll never forget, I went on on a mission trip to Poland once. And when I went there, we... I was working with the Polish teenagers and we took some American teenagers with us too. And so late at night, the teenagers would all hang out and me being a teenager at heart, I would hang out with them too. And while we were there, the Polish teenagers turned on an American song and one of our girls yells, oh my gosh, I love that song. To the Polish teens, they, that was just very perplexing to them. I love a song? 
They, they didn't understand that mentality of loving a song. Now, if you know anything about Poland, it has gone through some of the most horrific things to happen to a country. Their flag is actually half white and half red, and the red is to represent the blood that has been shed on their country over the years. So if that helps you understand their country and where they're coming from, they don't just throw the word out love all the time. They only use the word love if they know it will be reciprocated to them. They only tell somebody that they love them, but only after they know for positive that they're going to receive that love back. Our image of love is not what it should be, and it's not what God intended. Look at me at Psalm 139. I'll read through it, and you can follow along on the screen. Starting at verse 1. It says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is, it is high. I, I cannot attain it. Jump over with me to verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your words. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. I once heard the Bible described as the greatest love story ever written. These passages show us that. Verses 1 and 3 show us that love is pursuing. There has never been a greater pursuit in the name of love than the story of the Bible, especially the story of Jesus' birth. Men, we pursue our wives with dates and flowers thinking that we are showing them what love is and that we love them, but God initially pursued us through a, a baby, a humble birth in a stable. Verses 13 and 14 show us that God loves us so much that he created us in his image. Nothing else can take that claim. Everything else that God created, he just created it. He just spoke it. But with humans, all of us, man and woman, he created us in his image. He he knows the hairs on our head. He has a plan for each and every one of us. And if we follow his plan, it is good. Sometimes we don't let people know us completely. We're, we're afraid that they might learn something about us that they might not like. We, we like to hide the dirty little secrets inside of us because what if they discover it? What if they find out that thing and, and, then, and then they never talk to me again? God knows. God knows all that you are already hiding. 
He knows everything that you bring in. And the amazing part is, he still pursued you. He still chose you. Knowing all of that, knowing everything that you would do, past, present, or future, he pursues you and he chose you and he created you. Verses four and six show us that God knows us and loves us. These words of affection and knowledge come from a God who is not just distant and far off judging us for all the bad stuff that we have done, all the wrong things. These are the words of a God who loves us so incredibly much. He created us. He created the idea of love. and He created the ability for us to even be able to love each other and God. Back in Genesis, we can see how God chose to create us. He chose you, and he used that perfect image for your creation. That is his example. Love is defined in scriptures as the very character of God. That is how we can understand what love is. Now, years ago, when I was so apart from God, I didn't even know how to love properly. And maybe that's you today. You come in and you're like, what is, what is love? What is it anyway? Until we understand that we are loved, chosen, and created, and pursued by a perfect God, we cannot give that love back. Not fully, not properly, now, some of you may have known Jesus and been Christians for a while or even most of your life. You don't share that same experience as I do, that struggling to understand what love is. You've, you've understood it for a long time. Please don't become desensitized to the fact that the same God that saved you and chose you years ago, he still pursues you and chooses you today. He's still pursuing. It wasn't just when you were four years old and accepted, Awana, accepted Jesus in Awana, he's pursuing you every single day since then. But why is the pursuit of love so important to us? To answer that, I, I want to take you to another scripture. 1 Corinthians 13. This is a passage that may be very familiar to some of you. If you have been to a Christian wedding, it is very likely that you have heard this chapter read aloud. It is, it is the, the wedding passage, the wedding verse. And that's okay as long as we understand what these passages on love are truly pointing us to. Follow with me as, as I read. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I have nothing. I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And the last verse in this chapter, so now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. I once had a pastor read that passage to me, and then he told me to read it back to him. But instead of reading the word love, he wanted me to substitute my name in the passage anytime it used the word love or had the idea of love. So if you're bold enough with me, I'd like to go through that and, and, and I'll do it out loud and you can just do it silently in your seat and just, just kind of see where you're at. Joey is patient and kind. Joey does not envy or boast. He is not arrogant or rude. He does not insist on his own way. Ugh. He is not irritable or resentful. He does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Joey bears all things. He believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That one hurt a little bit for me. <laughs> if you're anything like me and you read that with, with your name in there, maybe you feel like a little bit of a failure this morning. You can talk to my wife or my children after the service and, and ask them how I'm matching up. Some days I feel like I'm doing okay. I, I, I might be doing one or two of those. Others I am doing really, really poorly. So here we are on Christmas Eve. Gifts are wrapped and ready to be given in an attempt to show love. That's how we show it, right? We, we give the best gift. This is how I show my love. I give the best gift ever. Love gets so easily mistaken as an outward emotion that needs to be recognized by the perfect gift. When I, when I had you substitute your name, when I substituted my own, I, my own, I wasn't trying to make you feel bad. Understand, like I said, I, I'm right there with you. I want you to understand that this passage is pointing us to the perfect love of Jesus. Perfect love of Christ. The kind of love that we should all be striving for. A realization that we have been given the most amazing gift of sacrificial love that we so undeservedly receive. The, the early Christians, the, the ones who wrote the Bible, they thought of love as equal to the quality that we see on the cross. It is a love for the utterly unworthy. A love that proceeds from God. A God that he is love. And it is a love lavished upon others without a thought of whether they deserve it or they're worthy or not. God just gives this love to the unworthy. Now, someone who has experienced God's love, if you've experienced God's love while you were at the worst point of your life, that is what transforms us into a new creation in Christ. The passage in 1 Corinthians rightly ends with love as the last word, love. 
That is the greatest thing. Love trumps everything. Now, we, we can't talk about love without referencing John 3.16. Again, another very familiar passage possibly to some of you. You've gone to a football game or seen a football game. You've probably seen somebody in the stands holding up a sign that says John 3.16. Maybe that guy doesn't do it anymore, but it's a very familiar passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave us the example of the greatest act of love ever witnessed and that he gave his only son. God sent his son to this earth to die. That was the main reason for Jesus coming. That was the main reason for the birth that we are celebrating. So we think about the beauty and the humbleness of the birth of Jesus and the innocence of this newborn baby born in a manger. We need to remember what the mission was. He didn't have to come. He could have stayed in heaven with God, his father in perfect holiness. But God loves us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross. And Jesus willingly came. He willingly died for us. We have been missing the point for far too long. All across America right now in churches and in many homes, we decorate with mangers and stables and shepherds and wise men and little baby Jesus. And it's it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And I don't want to take away from Jesus' humble arrival, but if we only cast our eyes on the stable, we miss the cross. Don't miss the cross. Matt read the passage from Luke 2 at the beginning of the service. And again, we're looking at some very familiar passages possibly to some of you. This is one of the most well-known passages, especially at this time of the year. If you've ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you might have recognized those passages that Matt read. And if you're anything like me and church is strange and awkward and you only wander in once a year like I did, when he started reading that, you're like, thank God, Charlie Brown, I know what he's talking about. I know this. This is something I recognize. What does Christmas tell us about love? You go ahead and put the passage up. This is what Christmas is all about. God sending his son to this earth to give us hope in something better. A peace that can only be found in him. A joy that transcends the earth, transcends this world. And a love that overcomes all fears and is better than anything else in this world. When we say that we love everything from the newest Taylor Swift song to the blizzard of the month, we water down what that word truly means. And then when we hear that God loves us so much, he sent his son, well, what does that word love mean? I just said I love that Taylor Swift song, but next week when Kiss 107 plays it 15 times in one day, I'm not going to love it anymore, and I'm going to move on. I really love this blizzard of the month because when I walked into Dairy Queen, they had it on the on the 
picture on the wall and it looks so amazing. It looks so much better than when I actually get it, but it's so delicious. And so this is the one I get and I love it so much. But next month when I come in and there's a different blizzard of the month on the wall, I'm going to get that one because that's just what I do. I get the one that's on the wall and I'm going to love that one just as much. We keep throwing this word love at everything we fail to understand what it truly means. You cannot read a chapter of any book and say you read it all and say you understand what the whole story is about. The manger, the birth, these passages would mean nothing apart from the cross. God's love comes full circle from creation to manger to the cross to you. It is full circle. I hope at this point you are sitting there even more confused about this word love. I know I am. I hope you cannot possibly wrap your mind around the idea of a little baby giving his life as a perfect sacrifice for you. He did it for you, every one of you. Jesus came to this earth to live a perfect life, a life of perfect obedience to God, that he should die a sinner's death, a brutal death on the cross for the payment of all of our sins. It is a gift of unmeasurable love. You are not worth melting for. You are worth dying for. And one of my favorite songs out right now is a song by a group named Wren Collective. And the song is called Rescuer. I was thinking and, and praying and, and preparing for this sermon. I heard the song again and I thought that the first few lines were a perfect ending for our service today. It says, so there's good news for the captive. Good news for the shamed. There is good news for the one who walked away. There is good news for the doubter, the one religion failed. For the good Lord has come to seek and save. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. The good news that this song is talking about is a little baby born in Bethlehem almost 2,000 years ago. A sweet and innocent baby that was born as our rescuer no matter who you are in these words, this good news is for all of us. Maybe you are the captive. You're coming in here today as the captive, the one that just feels like you will never be free from the sins in your life and you struggle and you struggle, but they just hold so tight. Maybe you're the one who is shamed the one who said there's no way that I can be forgiven for all of the horrible things that I have done in my life. No one could forgive me for those things. You carry so much shame with you. Maybe you're the one who has walked away 
And just like me, you, you wander into church once a year just to make a certain family member happy because it's what you're supposed to do on Christmas, but you just don't know and you've just wandered away from God. Maybe you are the doubter. The one who says, I like this idea of Jesus, this idea of heaven. Those are, those are good things, but I just can't put my faith and trust in something that I, I can't touch, taste, or feel. Just show me some proof, God, and, and I'll believe you. Maybe you are the one who religion has failed. You used to go to church. It was the thing to do when you were a kid. But you got burned somehow. Somebody in the church did something or said something, and it's all full of hypocrites anyway. That's all church is. It's just a bunch of hypocrites. They're all just pretending anyway, aren't they? Religion has failed you. No matter who you are, there is good news. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, the doubter, the shamed, the one who religion has failed, the one who has walked away. That good news is for all of them. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. This is the greatest act of love in all of history. It is the definition of love, and it is the love that we are all so desperately striving for. Tonight and into tomorrow morning, let's remember the gift of love that was given to each and every one of us. You have been given an incredible gift of salvation. That is what Christmas is all about. A baby was born so that we all could live. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this Christmas season. I thank you for love. I know for so long I I thought I understood it and I thought I was showing it. But God, until I truly knew who you were, Love was just a word I was throwing around. And so I pray for all of us here today, whether we have grown up in a church our whole lives and and we think we understand what those words, God loves us, mean, that we truly let it permeate our hearts. And we, we go into the next few days trying to show that amazing love. And God, for those of you who are like me, who truly don't understand and and have only come to church once in a while, God, truly I pray that you can work in their hearts and open their minds to what it means that you love them and that you died for them. Thank you for this Christmas gift, Lord. In your name I pray, amen.